So I, I kind of apologize here. I want to start off uh, with a, a, a story um, about, about two bank robbers. And uh, there was these two men, uh, Jack and Sam, and they go and they rob a bank, and uh, there's a shooting that takes place at the bank, and Jack is shot and killed, and Sam is captured, and he goes to prison. So one of the pastors goes, he's the chaplain uh, there at the prison, and he goes to see uh, Sam, and uh, he's ministering to him, and Sam says to the pastor, would you please uh, do the funeral for, for my brother? And the pastor said, sure. I said, I'd love to do the funeral. And he said, there's one thing, though, that you have to say when you're doing your sermon, and that's that Sam was a saint. So he, he had kind of agreed to do that, but he wasn't, the pastor wasn't really sure, like, how am I going to do that? How am I going to call this guy a saint? He's a bank robber, you know? So they come time for the sermon, and the, uh, they, they allow the brother to come to the, to the service, uh, and the pastor is up there preaching, uh, and all about, and he's getting near the end of the sermon, and Sam's sitting there kind of looking at him, like, you know, you got to tell everybody he's a saint. So finally, the pastor gets to the end of the sermon, and he says, in comparison with this man sitting over here, the other guy was a saint. So he, he kind of got away with it. You know, sometimes pastors are bombarded with things that, you know, there's just so much. I'm sure Tim experienced this, and, and I'm sure Jay is too. Uh, one of the things that you kind of get bombarded with is uh, there's lots of books out there written, lots of articles and everything about church. And how do you build a big, successful church? You know, what strategies do you use and, and different things like that? And you wonder, you know, where does the Holy Spirit come in in, in all of that? So that's what I kind of want to talk about uh, this morning. So before we start, let's, let's just pray. Let's just look the Lord up. Heavenly Father, uh, we just uh, thank you for your presence here. We know that we're two or more gathered in your name, that you're there. So we thank you, Lord. Thank you that you're here with us, and uh, we just praise and, and lift you up this morning. We pray that your Holy Spirit be here at, at all times. Lord, I pray that uh, uh, myself is out of the way here, and it's you speaking through me, Lord, to what you want to say. Uh, this morning, in Jesus' name, we pray that, Lord. Amen. So what I'd like to do is uh, take you uh, into the book of Acts a little bit in the beginning. See what the apostle, what, the, what it was like for the early church, and what, what did they do as far as church was concerned. So uh, if you look into Acts 1, we, we see the apostles, and what are they doing in Acts 1? They're hiding in a room and praying. They're very, very fearful, at least until the Holy Spirit comes along. And, uh, and, and when the Holy Spirit, when they're filled with the Holy Spirit, it creates quite a bit of boldness in them. And by the way, that's the same Holy Spirit that's filling us. Okay? So there's not a whole lot of difference here because we have the same Holy Spirit that, that they did. So in Acts 2, we see probably the biggest church growth percentage-wise ever in the history of the church. 
because they go from 120 believers to over 3,000 in one day. How many churches do you see doing that? Okay. So what strategies did the apostles use to do that? No strategy. Okay. They didn't have to read any books and see, you know, how could we get lots of people into, you know, into the church all of a sudden? It was prayer and praise, preaching, okay, because Peter got out and pre- preached the word. But we see a tremendous church growth in that. Gets into Acts 3, and here's uh, Peter and John at Solomon's porch there, and they, they heal. Uh, they uh, allow uh, God to move here and heal that cripple that, that was there. We get into Acts 4, and now they're in a building praising God. And what happens to the building? The whole building shaking. Okay? The presence of the Holy Spirit. Amazing, uh, you know, the things that are going on. I'd love to see that happen here, but, Lord, I don't know about this building because it's very old, you know. You shake this building, I don't know what's going to happen. Okay? And then you get into Acts 5, and you just see healings taking place. Okay? So, again, no big strategies that are going on. Uh, you know, we're not, uh, they're not out looking for the, 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 the best musicians to do worship services and stuff like that. I think most of the time when they did get together, from what, what it seems like is they would sing a couple of songs and hymns, and it sounded like they kind of just did it on their own, and there was a lot of prayer in, involved in it. So looking at that, you know, we, we see who, who gets all the credit for all of this. And, and this, I, I just want to take you back into uh, Acts chapter 2 for a second. And here's when the church grew. It's uh, chapter 2, verse 41. It says, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. Okay? So from 120, they went to over 3,000. But here's who gets the glory from that. Let's go to Verse 47 in the same chapter. It says, praising God. Well, I'll start in 46. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple. And this is important, that they were in one accord, that they were together in what they were doing. And breaking bread from house to house. So fellowship, lots of fellowship. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And then this is the important sentence here. And the Lord added to their church daily. See, it's it's God that's doing it. It's the Holy Spirit that that does this. We have to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. It has to be uh, prayer and worship that has to be occurring regularly and the fellowship. And then the Holy Spirit does the moving. It's not a strategizing that we do to make our church bigger, to make the numbers come in, you know, have the, the best seats or the best building or what, whatever. Heat, that'd be nice, you know, but all those things. So now let's look at the very first pastor. The very first pastor, Jesus Christ, while he was on this earth. Okay, and let's look at some of the things that were important to him in developing the church. So we're going to uh, go to the book of John first in chapter, chapter 6. 
And in John chapter 6, I want to read starting in verse 53. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in me. That's interesting. You think that's going to attract a lot of people and make your church grow? Look what happens if you slip over to verse 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. See, Jesus, he wasn't interested in numbers. He wasn't interested in getting a lot of people surrounding him and making that, the church at that time grow. Okay? He wanted people that were sold out for him to abandoning basically themselves and just following him, keeping their eyes fixed on him. We're going to see that in a couple of other verses. Let's go into Luke and Luke chapter 9. Verse 57, it says, Now it happened, as they journeyed on the road, that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Now you would think Jesus would say, oh, that's great. You know, there's somebody else that wants, wants to follow me. So what does he say? Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. In other words, if you follow me, you want to follow me, that's fine. But we have no home. So, you know, we're not going to offer you anything that's of any comfort, you know, in, in this, because we're going to just go from place to place, and, you know, wherever we have to sleep, we might be sleeping outside sometimes. Okay? So, what's... God asking him. He's asking him to abandon himself. Okay? You're not going to seek what's comfortable. You are seeking me. And if you want to seek me this way, then that's fine. Uh, then you, you will follow me in that way. Let's keep going. Verse 59. Then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Once again, turning back, what has to be the most important thing? Your family or me, Jesus Christ? Okay? And he's saying, You make this choice. You, this is the, the, the decision that you have to make. All right? Let's go on uh, to. 59. Then he said, uh, uh, I read the wrong thing. <laughs> uh, let's go back to uh, oh, 23 and 24. Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. All right? Got to think and what the cross meant at that time. 
usually to crucify somebody. And, and Jesus is saying, you have to carry your cross. If you want to follow me, you have to carry this instrument of death. And it's a death in the sense that you're dying to yourself. Okay? Because you're living for Christ. So, Jesus has some, some pretty tall commands, all right, as far as what you have to do if you're going to follow him. Because he's saying you have to abandon yourself. Okay? You have to be desperate for me to follow me. Just like the song that we sang before. Let's go into Mark chapter 10. Very familiar story. And the story of the rich man. And what does uh, Jesus tell the rich man? The rich man comes to him and says, Lord, what must I do to gain eternal life? Now, if somebody came into this church today and said, what should I do to be saved? We would probably say, well, give your heart to Jesus, repent, and you're saved. But that's not what Jesus said to him. Jesus said to him, I know you've followed all the commandments all your life, but now I want you. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor and come follow me and you will have treasure in heaven. That was, that was pretty, pretty strong. What do you think Jesus was saying to, that, saying to him then? I know Nick and I, we talked about this last week, that very scripture. And it's, it's, a tough, uh, it's a tough scripture because does that mean that we take this scripture and apply it to all of us? That we're all supposed to go sell everything that we have and give it to the poor and come and follow Jesus? And I think in this, it's, it's what is Jesus telling me individually? Because I think he's telling us there are things that we have to put aside that cannot be more important than Jesus Christ and our walk with him. And if, if we have other things that are more important than Jesus, that's idolatry. And that's what we have to make sure that we remove from our life. So if there's anything in the way, whether it's riches, money, or anything else, anything in the way that separates us from Jesus or it's more important than Jesus in our life, those are the things that we would have to remove. For the rich man, it was his money. Okay? For us, it might not be money. It might be something else. It could be just things like our own pride or something like that. But whatever it is, if whatever God's telling us, we have, to, we have to remove it. Because we have to be so desperate for the love of Jesus Christ that we will uh, remove those things. We want to see how much we can abandon ourselves in, re in comparison with how much we want to cater to our own lives. Because there's always that drawer, that, that uh, tug, tug of war that's going on uh, within us. We live in a country where uh, there's the American dream. You know, we tell people that, that coming from 
make money and then you can uh, buy a home and uh, have a nice car and various things like that. Okay? Most of us have just kind of grown up into that culture. The church today takes on that uh, American culture. A lot of times uh, within the church, because we're, we're told uh, that the things important uh, that are important in our lives are uh, things like self-advancement, um, self-esteem, self-sufficiency, all of these things that uh, we're told. And notice the first word in all of these. It's always about ourselves. And we have to be very, very careful that we don't tie our Christianity into the culture because it's so important. It, you know, if, if we do these things and with, we're doing, you know, trying to be self-sufficient and we're trying to uh, raise up our own self-esteem, and what happens is we leave God out of that picture because it's always about us. It's always about ourselves, And we really need to be um, uh, keeping God in the focus at, at all times. Um, we have to be careful not to be materialistic, not to be seeking prosperity all the time, not to be seeking our own comfort, all of these things. Okay, it, it ran out. All right, I think we're okay now. So what I think what I'm trying to get across is that the church, in a sense, needs to wake up. We are a, a, a body of believers that sometimes falls asleep to these things because we get trapped in this uh, Christian culture that um, uh, allows us to constantly look for the comforts and, and, and different things like that. I was reading uh, some material on... Uh, churches in Asia, in some parts of Asia where uh, there's, uh, you know, very uh, a minority of Christians and mainly there's lots of other various religions, some of them, you know, pretty tough on, uh, on Christianity. And uh, there, was, there was this one group of pastors that secretly had to meet in this uh, room and, and to do it you know, very carefully under the, uh, so that no, nobody would see them because if they did, they could be arrested, put in jail, or, or some worse things would happen to them. But one of the pastors was sharing to the other pastors how he needed prayer because he couldn't, he didn't know how to minister to a lot of the people in his in his church because what was happening is they, uh, a lot of times, uh, people in this church would disappear, and uh, when when they when they would come back to the church, they would come back without their tongue because they, their tongue would be cut out because they refused to give up their Christianity. And he had to you know minister to his congregation over this, and he was asking for prayer because he he really didn't you know how do I how do I do this when people are suffering so much you know, for their faith. And I think of, uh, in America, it's so easy for us to uh, come to church every day and, or every Sunday and, and not have to abandon everything because 
you know, we don't have that persecution that people in other countries are experiencing. There were, I know there's a uh, country, I think it was in Ukraine, that uh, a friend of mine had gone and ministered to at one time, and he told me that they would meet in a, in a building, and it wasn't really a church building, it was just like a, a room somewhere, uh, and they were in the middle of winter, you know, and it would be like 10 degrees outside, and probably about 20 degrees in the church, because there was no heat in there, and yet people would come in and, you know, spend hours, hours in church, and, you know, we, we again, in America, because of the culture, we, we're, we're so used to all of the, the various uh, th- various things that, you know, we, we expect when we do come to church on Sunday. We have to see how hungry are we for God's word. When I, when I, when I look at um, people in other countries, that what they have to go through, and yet they would spend hour after hour after hour at a church service, trying to study the Bible, trying to get as much as they could out of that, you know, kind of puts me to shame because I, I say, well, I don't spend that much time in the Bible, not as much as they, as they do, but, but probably something that I, that I should be doing. There are things, obviously, that are infinitely more important than our needs and our wants and our our pleasures. Turn to Matthew uh, chapter 13 for a second as we kind of draw this to a close. Matthew 13 and verse 44. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. And that's, that's where I want to be. I want to get to the point where I'm willing to sell everything that I have. Sell it in the sense that, not physically sell it, but put it aside that it becomes something that is not that important in my life so that Jesus Christ is the only one that is that important. You know, um, we need each other's help in that. It's so uh, important that we not only be praying for each other, but that we be supporting each other and that we be able to call somebody and get that support when we really need it. I was thinking of uh, my brother, Steve. Uh, He's... He's been an alcoholic and a a gambler for most of his adult life, and now he's in the middle of a a divorce. But I've been ministering to him over the phone. Uh, He does not know the Lord, and uh, uh, which is very unfortunate. But one of the things that I've been telling him is that he needs to get some men that will be around him to support him in trying to stay away from alcohol and drugs. And, of course, you know, he needs the Lord. But I was thinking that in terms of us, too. We all do. We all need to have people around us that we can uh, be ministered to and, and we can minister to ourselves.
You know, God's always there. He's, he's always there with us. Uh, there's uh, a story of this fellow in uh, Vietnam, during the Vietnam War. He was captured uh, by the Vietnamese, put into uh, a Vietnamese prison. And because he was a Christian, uh, they were trying to get him to basically to deny his faith. And as he, uh, uh, as the days went on, day after day after day after day, they would not let him uh, read anything in English. He had to read only, he could only read in Vietnamese. And uh, he did speak both languages, but he, he was, his English was his basic language. And, you know, he was always hungry for just, just to see English. But all they would do is... Uh, uh, con- constantly tell him about uh, uh, Stalin and all the, uh, you know, all the all the, all the theories in, uh, about Russian politics and everything like that, uh, trying to get him to finally believe in in, in their and the communism basically and uh, to deny his Christianity. And he was at a point where, uh, after about a year of this that he was ready to give up on God because he had not heard from God in, in, in a year's time. And one day, uh, his job was to clean the latrines, uh, the, the, uh, the, the men's bathrooms. And uh, while he was cleaning the bathrooms, he saw a piece of paper in the garbage pail and uh, it was dirty, it was soiled, you know, bathroom soil, but he saw that it was, there was some English words in it. He says, well, I'm going to take this paper out, clean it up, and he did, and took it back to his cell uh, that night. And underneath the covers of his cell, he, he, he uh, took out that piece of paper to read it. And at the top of the page, he saw Romans 8. And it was, a, it was a page from the Bible, and he was just right. He started, you know, reading that. So the next day, he went back to the uh, lieutenant that had assigned the jobs, and he said, could I clean the little train again today? So and the lieutenant thought he was nuts, but he said, okay. And so day after day, he started collecting these things, and apparently what, was, what it was was that uh, one of the uh, soldiers had received the Bible, for you know as a uh, as a gift or something and he was taking page after page out and using it for toilet paper but he got to read the bible again by doing this day after day after day and you know god didn't abandon him he he was there all the time god's timing is always perfect and he you know waited for that time but that's what we always have to remember in our lives no matter how tough things get uh, in, in our walk with the Lord, that God's always there. He's always, you know, um, trying to uh, make us a little better if, if we can. So it's important that as, as we see in, in some of these Asian churches where these people are, are so hungry and desperate for God, that that's what we want in our life. We, we want to be desperate for him. We want to be so hungry for him that we don't let anything, anything else get in the way of our growth in him. Uh, if we want to uh, impact the, the world, we can impact the world right here 
and, and bridge build this church. That doesn't mean that, uh, you know, we're, we're going to be definitely missionaries and we're going to, you know, uh, God's going to send us over to another country to bring people to the Lord. Two things about that. Number one, there are so many people in America that need the Lord, first of all, and that we can be impacting. And the second thing is there are people that are willing to go over uh, to uh, the world, and, and those people we can support, like the Eckers. Okay, we, we, we see them, uh, and we're, we're so thrilled that they have 100% support now and that they're, they're getting ready to, uh, to start. Uh, their their journey here, but uh, you know they, it has been a long road for them just getting enough uh, support for them. But uh, we can support people like that so that we are impacting the world while we're doing that. So let's pray, Heavenly Father. We we just thank you for all that you give us, all that you do for us, Lord. We pray, Lord, that our hearts would always be hungry would always be desperate for you. So much so, Lord, that, uh, that nothing, we will allow nothing to get into, what, into the way, Lord, that we, there would be no idolatry in our lives, Lord God, that uh, would make some things in this life more important than you are. And, Lord, as we, do, as we go along in that, Lord God, uh, and as we prepare ourselves for that, that we would stay in your word each day, that we would uh, spend time with you each day, and that because of that, that we would have an impact in the world, Lord God, according to your plans, your purposes in our lives, Lord God. We know that we can even do things, Lord, that uh, we are not greatly talented for as long as you're with us and doing them with us, Lord. We want the Holy Spirit to be here at all times. And, Lord, if, uh, to, to help us uh, to grow and uh, to uh, love and serve you in, in every way. In Jesus' name we pray that, Lord. Amen.